Hi, you're listening to Better Half Chats, a dialogue between a seminary graduate, Andrew, and his very candid wife, that's me, Bethany. Today we're talking about Matthew 6, 19-21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. All right, well, thanks for listening to Better Half Chats. So today we have, Bethany and I both have cups of coffee with us on the table. So if you hear cups uh, clicking and clacking around, that's why. Uh, we had we stayed out a little bit too late last night. It was, <laughs> it was well worth it. We got to see some old friends. We got to laugh a lot and hang out with some people. But we stayed out a little too late, and then our daughter also didn't sleep all that well last night. So... She's teething, and, and she's in a lot of pain. So, um, yeah, we didn't sleep so well. We got our coffee with us, though, so hopefully we don't sound like we're dragging too much. <laughs> um, so the third episode of Better Half Chats is brought to you by Chock Full of Nuts. <laughs> Chock Full of Nuts coffee. <laughs> All right, so let's get started by talking about um, the author and the speaker, two different people, in this yeah. um passage and um the it's in red in my bible so i know that it's jesus but that's about as far and i guess it's in matthew so i think the author is matthew but that's about as far as i can go with it (laughs) yeah so the author is matthew he is one of the four gospel writers obviously Uh, matthew mark luke and john so matthew wrote his gospel uh really geared towards uh the jewish population that would be you know, wanting to know more about Jesus. Um, and this particular part of the of the book is what's traditionally called the Sermon on the Mount. And um, reason being, Jesus was on a mountain and he was giving a sermon. <laughs> Thus the Sermon on the Mount. The topic of the sermon really kind of runs the gamut. It kind of just talks about a lot of different things. Uh, and it's interesting because it's just a lot of really practical things. Things like you know, talking about fasting, talking about how to deal with your money, talking about, are you worried? Well, don't be worried because here's the reason why we should not be worried. He talks about judging other people. He talks about all these different topics. And so it's, uh, you know, it's interesting how many different topics he talks about. So it may not be that this was all one sermon. Okay, that's what I was about to ask. Yeah. It's, what? It's possible that this was like kind of like a, a collection of sermons that was really condensed, and Matthew presents it to us as one sermon. Um, because obviously, even if this were like all one sermon, it's obviously really condensed. Like if you were just to like read this through, it would take you probably like 10 minutes. So obviously Jesus was teaching for longer than that. Um so, yeah. so is this just from memory? I mean, is Matthew just like <clears throat> trying to remember this like years later, or was this is not exactly what he said, right? Right. So the way they recorded, the way they would have recorded these types of things is they wouldn't have recorded them verbatim. They would have recorded them uh, from the memories of other people. They would have recorded them. Uh, you know, it's possible that they're that. 
these stories or, the, or this sermon was sort of passed down from person to person. And maybe there was somebody there kind of writing and, and taking notes as well. We don't know. Um, but yeah, these were, the, the main point is these are not like verbatim the words of Jesus, but we can be, we can be fairly confident that this is, you know, at least the, the gist of what Jesus was saying and uh, in a condensed form. Does that bother you? <laughs> That's, well, no, not really, because, you know, it's, it's interesting because it's I mean, just the just way. I mean, we just, like, tease out every word, and then, but, like, True. the words are just kind of close approximations <clears throat> of. Yeah, which, that, it brings up an interesting topic of how do we interpret the Bible? Do we, should we really parse every word as carefully as we do? And this, I mean, this has to go back to what's your, what's your idea of what it means for the Bible to be inspired? You know, obviously these were not, these are not verbatim the words of Jesus. This is a condensed form of the words of Jesus. But how confident are you that, that the Holy Spirit is the one that sort of guides Matthew to put these particular words in? You know, so it's a complex process, this idea of, inspiration and how things get canonized and how things are end up in the Bible, you know? It's yeah. it's much more complicated than than we make it out to yeah. be, but that's um, hard for me to take yeah. personally. I mean, just honestly that's hard for me to get because I there's so many authors and so it it would be nearly impossible well, okay. I'm not gonna say that. But in my mind, it seems very unlikely that every single author was writing with like pure intentions and not like putting a little bit of what they want or slant into it. Well, it's certainly true. For the propaganda of the time or to sound like this, that, and the other. I don't know. Sure. It's certainly true that each author had his own agenda to some, to some extent, for sure. I mean, just look at, <laughs> I don't even know how much I want to get into this, but like people that we um, look to for like honest storytelling I mean, they're not inspired by God, but I'm talking about Brian Williams, you know, and he's getting all this heat for like changing a very minute little detail and maybe even not even changing the detail, but just for not being super clear about it. Mm-hmm. And, and, but it told a better story. Yeah. It's like, did, did every single person who authored the Bible, you know, take that little part of them out that wants to tell the best story in the Bible? I don't know. Well, here's here's a here's a parallel, and this comes from the Old Testament, so it's a little bit different. But there's two. If you notice reading through the Old Testament, you run into two parts of it that are really really similar. So First and Second Kings, and First and Second Chronicles, they tell basically the same period of of Israel's history. It goes through all the kings, um, talks about what they did, um, and it's. And a lot of times what you'll see is there's actually some discrepancies in the way certain uh, numbers are recorded, like how many people fought in a battle or um, whatever. There's different discrepancies. And so people will will use that to kind of attack the Bible and say, well, it's not, therefore it's not inerrant, it's not inspired, and that kind of thing. Um, So... The interesting thing about that is that First and Second Kings were written at a completely different time than First and Second Chronicles. 
First and Second Kings display the, the the history of Israel, showing it as a downward spiral, going down and down and down, because because it was written when the Israelites were in exile, and so the reason why they write it that way is to show, hey guys, this is how we end up ended up in exile. Our our history went down and down and down and down. It was a downward spiral. First and Second Chronicles uh, very clearly sort of glosses over a lot of the really bad stuff that happened. I mean, it still is mostly a a bad story, but they they sort of gloss over some of the bad stuff and they bring out and they emphasize more of the good stuff. Some of that some of the kings did. The reason being that was written when the Israelites were coming back from out of exile. And so it has a more positive spin. It has a more, uh, they, they were more hopeful for the future at that time. And so the author of First and Second Chronicles writes it to say, hey, this is what we have to look forward to. This is what we can hope for, right? Yeah. And so each author of every book of the Bible has, has a slightly different agenda. And because they didn't exactly, you know, record history in the in the same way that we do we're very we want to be precise and we want to you know know exactly what happened and how exactly how many people were in this battle and that kind of thing um they didn't do it that way and so even though they may look at history a little bit differently than we do it doesn't mean that the story and the overall the overall picture of what the biblical author is trying to tell you isn't true yeah but it is unsettling. I mean, it is unsettling to know that the Bible is is <laughs> simultaneously a very human book and a divine book. Yeah. And it's hard to it's hard to, you know, put that together sometimes. It it's hard to wrap my mind around it and it's hard to just be okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. But here we are and I feel like um it's a very different time now and when the Bible is written, but I don't think people have changed all that much, you know? So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess we can feel kind of connected to the authors um, in that way. Um, I also thought it was interesting that Matthew, um, the author, um, is was a tax collector, right? That's Before correct. Before being a disciple. And this is about money, which he probably held at a very high esteem um right before meeting Jesus right and going yeah and going back to the to the authorship obviously yeah Matthew was a disciple so he was you know most likely present for all of these sermons and you know he was a an eyewitness account to all of this so don't want to I don't want to uh let this pass without saying that obviously Matthew was there and so he was able to uh write these things down with with great accuracy so, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. What was your kind of first thought when starting to read this? My first thought is, oh man, I do that all the time. Like <laughs> that's like, I think about that like almost constantly. I mean, it's uh, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around because that's me being me being in the situation that I am so um and just trying to support my family as best that I can with with my with my jobs that I have uh 
and that's this is something I think about like all the time. And so, um, it's 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 convicting. It's also kind of comforting. Yeah, in a way too. Yeah. So I guess I kind of started by trying to figure out what treasures are, and I was thinking about what treasures were to Matthew and to the listeners of Jesus. And I don't know, for some reason, I just picture like <clears throat> jewels and like coins and like expensive perfumes. And I don't know why that's <laughs> what I think of for them. But yeah. I mean, none of that relates to me at all. And I was like, well, we don't have any nice treasures. I mean, we don't have anything. Because I was like, well, he's talking to me. So what, what are my treasures? And I was thinking about treasures and everything I could think of. I was like, but we need that for X, Y, and Z. And I felt like all of my treasures um, hide behind a veil of practicality. Like, <laughs> my, I treasure my iPhone, but I need my iPhone for safety and community and knowledge. I mean, I look things up on there. I mean, we squirt, you know, a milliliter of Advil in our daughter's eye. And the first thing we do is go <laughs> search it on, on Google. Is, is she okay? You know, what's the... Um, the number for the, um, you know, poison control. Poison hotline. <laughs> so, uh, which we've had to call that like twice in the past week. So, <laughs> the rubber Wait, button, rubber button actually... incident. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, you actually called the poison hotline? <laughs> no, I didn't, but I, I thought about calling it twice in the past week. <laughs> okay. And I just thought, eh, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to wear um, this. But anyways... Um, so yeah, I need my iPhone. I need to call the poison hotline. And, and, and then I think about other treasures, like, um, I guess probably the nicest jewelry I have is my wedding ring. And I, but I need that as a symbol of our love. It's really important. And I think about, well, we have to have a house to live in and we have to have a car to drive in. And mm-hmm. I guess those are things that we invest a lot of, um, stress and money and time and thought into, um, but we can kind of give a reason why we can't live without them, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I, um, as far as what I think of as treasures, my, I mean, my mind not automatically just goes to money. Like, what's the money in the account, you know? Right. But why? But why do you want money? You want money so that you can do good things, you know. I mean, and I'm not saying that that's not a treasure. I'm just saying it's really easy to. Um, to not consider it a treasure when it's a necessity in our um, culture, you know? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, But that's that's just, that's kind of buying into just, you know, to what we're fed in in media and in our communities and in our, just everything is just like money equals success equals um, how you survive. And... So, anyways, I guess it it doesn't feel like a treasure to me. It feels like a necessity to me. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know. But I do get excited. I mean, if someone was going to come to our door and give us a bunch of money, I'd be really excited. So, I guess I do treasure it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah. I got a new pair of jeans this weekend, and I'm, like, on cloud nine. So, that's that's kind of... um, Well, I guess... I guess you kind of go back to what is, I guess what a treasure is could really change for different people, you know, um, you know, another man's, one man's trash is another man's treasure, I guess. Um, 
I also, yeah, I was also thinking, though, it says we're thieves breaking and steal. And I keep saying that over and over again. And I'm like, so there must be some kind of, like, reason why you're saying that. And I was thinking if <clears throat> if someone was coming into my house to steal my stuff, like, what would they steal? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that yeah. was kind of another thing. I was like, would I care? Or is that really valuable to me? And it was. I would be really upset. And I guess that shows where my heart is if I'm emotionally tied to things that someone would steal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess if, as Jesus has a tendency to do, he says something that cuts right to our heart. Um, because, yeah, it really is like, yeah, I have some things in my house that if somebody was to come in and steal it or for it, or if it got, you know, you know, if somehow we had a flood or something like that and, you know, things were destroyed in my house, like there's some things that if they were destroyed, I would be really upset about too. Um, yeah, and that's, that's where Jesus cuts right at your heart is he's saying, so that really shows where your heart is. That shows the condition of your heart. Yeah. Um, then I was thinking it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean just to be idle though. Um, it says store 20 says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And then I, I'm thinking, at first my thought was like, oh, well that's not something I can worry with right now. But then I thought, no. It's not telling me, it's telling me to store up treasures in heaven right now, I think. And so it's not to be idle and to just not care about things here, but what, so I was just really trying to think like, what do I have on earth or what is around me on earth that I will take with me to heaven? And I was just going through a lot of things and I was like, not this, not that. And the only thing I could really um, think that we're going to take with us to heaven are, are people. So I guess my thought was store up people, which this sounds weird, but it says when I was thinking about it, I was thinking more like invest or um, treasure, like as a verb, like treasure people. Yeah. Um, was kind of the way that I was thinking of it. Like um, that's that's the only thing that's going to heaven that's here with us. Yeah. Well, here's where it's get, it gets really complicated for me is the connection What's the connection between earthly treasures and heavenly treasures? There has to be, I think there's a connection because obviously, so you, you said that the only thing that we're going to bring to heaven that's a treasure are people, right? Okay, so let's take Harper, for instance, our, our baby. Um, a real part of how we love her is, for instance, saving for her college education, right? That's a real tangible part of how we love her and how we minister to her spirit, isn't it? Would you agree? Um, based on our society we live in right now, yeah, but are we too embedded in that to see the big picture i don't know that's a good point okay so yeah maybe based that's... on today's society um we would we would be putting her i guess it would be like that so we'd be putting her in a good position for success if she was able to get an education and leave that schooling with no debt then she's in a good place for success in her life based on society standards yeah does that make her a better person does that develop her character does that Eh, does that make her love Jesus more? Does that make her love others more? I don't know. Yeah, that's a really good point. 
Does it matter, really? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. But I don't know. I, to me, there's got to be some kind of connection there. And here's what I here's what I kind of went to. I went to Proverbs because there's so much in Proverbs about, you know, practically what it looks like to, you know, save money and to be prepared for the future, right? And so I went to uh, Proverbs, especially, see if I can find it. Especially like Proverbs thirteen twenty two, for instance, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. Or, let's say, Proverbs thirteen eleven as well, wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. So we have an example of. You know, two references that, you know, depending on how you look at them, they might kind of contradict. So, like, how do we take, say, these two Proverbs 13 verses and sort of reconcile them with what Jesus is saying? I think I'm going to default to um, (laughs) the uh, Sunday school answer. Jesus. Think, no, I'm gonna say, I think it's it's a heart thing. You know, there's not t- tying it back into what I was saying about treasuring people. <clears throat> I think to treasure people is to give. You know, give to people, um, time, money, um, attention. You know, affection, like giving all those things is how you would treasure people. But I think the thing is, are you focused on the what you're giving or the people, you know? Yeah. So I guess, are you, are you um, more focused on, you know, and that's something that you can't, it's just kind of a heart thing. I mean, that's why I said it's just a default answer because there's no, like, it's just... Where's your heart? You know, is it you want, um, you're greedy and you just want more and more and more and more. But again, you have this veil of, um, I'm only doing this so I can give. Or are you just like so generous and caring towards other people and and investing in in them um, that it motivates you to work harder and and earn more to give. I mean, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. It looks the same on the outside, I think. Yeah. But it's different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. That's And that's essentially what Jesus is getting at in verse 21 is where your treasures are, there your heart is also. Yeah, it, it all goes back to the heart for sure. It's just a matter of... Um, so I guess here's the here's the thing. To me, I think you can. He's he's asking or commanding you know the people to don't lay up your treasures on earth, and telling them to lay instead lay up your treasures in heaven. Okay, but I think it's possible that some of the things that we store up on earth if they have the right heart motive 
are also laying up treasures in heaven. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I feel like you can't take this to the extreme and and um, and have nothing. I mean, you can't take it to the extreme where you have you're giving away everything and you're not taking good care of yourself <laughs> or um, or your kids or yeah um, put more plainly it's not a sin to save money <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> but um, but be generous I mean right but also be generous <sighs> this is a conversation we have <laughs> when it comes to budgeting like every month <laughs> <laughs> So this is real life, real life right here. <laughs> yeah. Um, how much? Yeah, like when it comes down to it, like where where do you draw the line? You have to be responsible and you have to put money away. Um, but in real life, there's not just like lots of money to divvy up in your budget to the side. <laughs> this is gonna go here and this is gonna go there. Sometimes it's this or there. It's yeah. not so much here and so much there. Right. If that makes any sense to those people out there. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's like, you might, you, you have to pick one or the other because there's just not enough to spread around. So um, that's where it gets really tricky. Yeah. All of this being said, I mean, I, I know that I'm guilty every day of having the wrong motives for laying up treasure, um, which... To me, when I read that, I think more of just money. Um, And I think there's a mix of motives within me. I mean, I think that part of me is just like, I just want to, I just want us to be well prepared for the future and I want to take care of my wife and daughter. You know, I think that that's that's part of it. But I think there's also a part of it that's that's motivated by pride as well. Um, And so I think that there's some common grace where, that that God gives me and he says or he allows me to have the correct motives but I think that you know left to my own I have the wrong motives does that make any sense yeah yeah there's plenty of things that are good things that God gives us like um, talents or or passions like um Andrews would be you know music and um when we think about saving up money and like why we're doing it and what we want to do with that money you know like Andrew would love to buy more instruments and I would love to have a house so I could decorate and sew draperies and paint walls and style it all up and um but those are things that God created in us like our creativity and our um you know for me it's it's I want to use my hands and make something and Andrew wants Um, to make music and it's just like these are good things and we're thankful for these things that God's put in us but these passions but um where do you where do you draw the line because there's not enough money to give and do all these things that we have passion that we're passionate about I mean yeah I don't know when I think about storing up I don't think about I do think about storing up so we can be more generous. That is something. But what I really get excited about (laughs) is that we can have more. (laughs) And I think that's what this passage is talking about. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like what. How do you. 
flip that switch off. Right. Well, I, I think that... We know <clears throat> we're doing it the wrong way, but... <laughs> yeah. There's no directions in here about how to stop. Yeah. Well, interestingly, <clears throat> later in this, in this chapter... Um, Verse 24, Jesus talks about this. He says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then he and then he kind of takes the... He lets the cat out of the bag. I'm talking about God and money. He says you cannot serve both God and money. Hmm. Um, and that's certainly related to what he's saying in, in verses 19 through 21, that... You can't serve them both at the same time. You are either all in with one or all in with the other. And that's that's scary because we're talking about, we just got done talking about, like, yeah, we have the wrong motivations sometimes. So, so. <laughs> so right. I guess we're serving all money. Let's cut that part out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, great. <laughs> But here's the bottom line, is that, I mean, Jesus obviously is, obviously Jesus knows, like, that's, that's the, everyone who reads, or everyone who heard those words that day, and then whoever read those words in the future, including us, was going to find themselves in this position, and they were going to find themselves thinking, wow, I, I'm a lover of money, right? I, I serve money and I don't serve God, right? Right. So that's where he's calling out a dark place in our heart. He's saying, look at your heart. It's it's pretty messed up, you know? And I know that's where I am. Um, that's hard. That's a hard pill to swallow. I think it's a, it's a, it's one of those things in the Bible that's a major stumbling block, especially in the United States. Especially since you're on a kick with watching documentaries about money lately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been obsessed with the uh, 2008 financial crisis, and I'm like, keep watching all these documentaries about it. I'm like, all oh, these scumbags that drove, drove us into poverty. I think but we need to cut you off. <laughs> I have the same heart. <laughs> we just don't have the money to do that with. <laughs> oh, all right. But we laugh about these guys that, or we laugh about the fact that I've been watching these documentaries and and thinking those things. But I guess what we, the conclusion we just came to is that none of us are really much different than those guys at all. We all have that greedy heart and that this desire for more, you know. Yeah. So I guess where do we go from here is the question, and and. You know, after we've been talking, we, we can definitely say that we are lovers of money and, and we need to figure out um, what to do about it and um, how to redirect our hearts and our, and our actions. And um, I challenge you to do the same. I challenge you to search your heart and um, figure out um, what you are treasuring and what you are storing up. And um, is, it, is it something that will have value in heaven? And um, if you have any... 
uh, practical ways that, that you protect your heart from loving money, um, please share them with us. And um, we can definitely share them with um, everyone else in our next episode. So you can um, send us a tweet or email us. And we'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to Better Half Chats. You can contact us at betterhalfchats at gmail.com or send us a tweet at betterhalfchats. Next week, we will be talking about Exodus 16, 1 through 8. So read up and come prepared to chat.